Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. We're very excited today. We have Dr. Chu on the show. Hey, doctor, how you doing? Hey, Jason. I'm good. 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 Well, mm-hmm. I have been excited to uh, speak with you for, for quite a while. You know, we, we met, um, we had breakfast at one time, and we had quite an engaging talk. And, when, and sometimes when you have those talks, um, you notice there's not enough time in the day for the talk, right? Because we were, we were talking on a lot of topics and I, I felt like we could, we could really go forever. And uh, that, that's always great. So I was excited to have you come on the podcast and just chat because you, you, you you, you've accomplished so many different things in so many different areas. And it, it's, it's, always, it's always curious for me to, to see people um, that are doing things that are, that are, that are helpful and outside the box. And growing up it was, as you grew up, was, was this something that, that was part of your, your upbringing? Was your, your family always pushing you to, to look for at, it, at things from a different angle or to, to experiment? Or, or, do you, or is there something that always was curious to you, that you always were, were looking at something uh, and trying to figure it out? Was, was this something that always spawned you or, or did it happen at a certain point later in uh, time? I- I, I, I'm actually trying to trace that myself um, to kind of create that environment for my kids. You know, yeah. exactly what is that magic moment? And my conclusion to date is that, um, so this could change if I discover that it was, an, it was one magic moment. But I, I firmly believe it's multiple magic moments. And you really require many mentors. Um, so it's not just one plus one. It's really... You know, if you had 50 mentors along the way under different circumstances and you then learned how to react to those situations, uh, that would become, um, and there's different grades of these mentors, but you then uh, create this picture of what, what the threats are, what the risks are, what the rewards are. And it's almost like playing a Monopoly game. And you, you know, initially when you play the Monopoly game, you, you want to win, right? So that's the idea is to win. But what if I told you that winning um, the game was actually supposedly being the best player uh, that made everyone feel good, right? So so the goal of winning would be to play for 50 hours of one game Monopoly. Now, however you're going to accomplish that, right, it's either, um, I guess, when you pass go and you collect people's money, you, you pay them back so that they can continue to feel good and they don't really know about it, right? That would be the ultimate in the winning because that's your goal. If I, if I told you that that was your goal, instead of beating everyone else, then you'd approach mm-hmm. it completely different, right? So, so I learned from multiple mentors and sometimes they weren't mentoring me particularly on this topic, but it was that they had their dreams taken away. Mm-hmm. They were working on something really important like figuring out how the battery worked that would power the future but then their, their finances got cut off. So they were done. They were like, they were so brilliant. We're talking about the number one scientist in the world, historically to, these are like the Einsteins of that particular topic. And then as they, as they reached a certain point, the rug got pulled underneath them. I mean, that's pretty dramatic, right? So, so when I say the rug, is this, there's, is there's this big bad person, their boss or something that does this. No, it's actually not, nothing like what you imagine. It's either like life gets to them, uh, family issues, or their health gets to them. It's just time to go. An accident happens. It's statistically, there's all these things that happen 
that actually prevent you from having the time to solve the problem. And of course, ultimately, you could also have someone who solves it before you, right? You know, in the world, and now you don't get the Nobel Prize. I've had pictures with people who were to become Nobel laureates, and some of them have become. Uh, his name is John Goodenough uh, down in Texas. And then there are people that I took pictures with that were supposed to get the Nobel Prize that didn't, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, these people were working on various topics, and it's just it's just the luck of the draw, right? In the sense that, um, so what is the take-home message, right? Be flexible. Um, make sure if you really like what you're doing and you like certain things about your life and you want to keep it going, what are the risk factors that could prevent that from happening? You know, you know, yeah. something that stands out about what you're saying here is that the 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 line of unhappiness that we mm -hmm. see today can can almost be correlated to to the lack of people's ability to to want to experiment with their life right and the mm -hmm. one thing that that's captivating science is is you're, you're constantly experimenting to see what doesn't work so you can get closer to what 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 does work you know and yes, and right. with our lives we we get stuck in a pattern where we're saying well i don't want to experiment something different e even though i'm not happy where i am mm -hmm. i would prefer to just stay there because it's it's comfortable and I, and I don't want to try something that, that I could potentially fail at, but I, but because I can't, I can't ideally see what the upside would be. Right. Mm -hmm. But at such an early age, you, you, you listen to mentors and that's something else that, that stands out is like we, we, all of us can potentially have people around us that can give us value. But many times we just don't want to listen. Right. We want to, we want to mm -hmm. assume that our way is the way. So what, are some of the through lines with your mentors that, that you heard over and over about the things being taken that, that were outside their control that, that transcended you to be able to, to take the steps that you did? Um, well, at a young age, I, I classified these, uh, these characters that were mentors um, as two different types of animals, um, if you may. Um, you know, it, one was the pink pigeon and the other one is the white lion. So white lions are individuals that come into your life and they're so powerful that they completely obliterate any negativity in your life. Um, I'm talking about if you have debt, they're able to wipe out your debt. Um, if, you had, uh, if you had failing grades, they're able to transfer you over to a different private school, uh, you know, that kind of thing. They're so powerful. So what white lions are able to do is they can actually wipe out black swan events. I, I don't need to explain the black swan, but the black swan is some catastrophic event that no one thinks about happens, but the white lion could actually take that out. So, so mentors, there's, there's different levels. So that's, there's that mentorship uh, and friendship, and they could be investors. It could be various individuals, uh, friends that you never know about, that you grow up together. Um, but their willingness, their bond with you allows that to happen. Then there's the pink pigeon. And the pink pigeon are people who, you know, they, they just are, when they're around you, you feel better about yourself. You just, they, they're not able to like take out those bad events, but they, they make everything, you know, all those heightened levels slightly better. They're supportive, even if they can't help, you know, mm. for example, they come visit you in the hospital, but they're not, you're not a doctor. Well, why, why would they, why does that matter? Well, it makes that difference because they have soothing words. Everything about them is they look about, look about life very differently. So um, sci in science, the benefit is that 
mostly everybody looks at life differently. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in science. You know, usually they're, you know, for a scientist, it's a long road. And we're not talking about a medical doctor. We're talking about someone who's an inventor who stays the course for the purpose of something greater to leave behind for humanity above and beyond themselves. So discovering a cancer vaccine for breast cancer, uh, a, a, a viral vaccine for, for viruses that cause cancer, uh, discovering drugs that could be isolated from plants as simple as penicillin that came from the cantaloupe. Having that, you know, and I'm talking about Louis Pasteur and people like that, you have got to stay focused in your life while others view you as missing the boat, right? Okay, so mm. those individuals are ultimately very, um, they're, not, they're not just positive and, and optimistic, unrealistic. They find that the purpose of life is to develop a life with purpose for something as great as humanity. So when you think about, um, you know, the um, discrimination, for example, in, uh, you know, in, in that, that we have today, that doesn't happen in science. Like, why, why would you judge someone based on their color of their skin? Because, look, if we make it to another planet, let's say we're going to discover another planet, um, as long as it's a human being, we're, we're, as scientists, we're happy. As long as it's a human being, I don't care if it's a male or a female, because, because the goal is to get human beings to that next step. See, when you, when you look at risk that way, right, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a story. By 2050, if the world population goes from currently 7.8 billion to 10 billion people on the planet, we have to level all the trees in Africa and possibly all the trees in Brazil just to create enough food using today's technology. And the kicker is today's technology um, mm. to pr provide enough food for everyone at these prices, right? So there's a, a lot of clauses in there at these prices. So obviously if you raise the price, then perhaps, the farmer can be sustained and other things, but then that leads to inflation and other things that some people can't afford it. So there are societal ills that will all be solved if we find another planet. Now, how do you get another planet? You need, you can't have rocket ships blasting off carrying 10 individuals because what happens then, you know, is, uh, is in order to escape the velocity of the earth, you got to blast off parts. So you're dropping parts in order to, get beyond the gravity and then you're now landing somewhere in space and you have no way of returning. That's a problem. And there's only 10 of you. So there, there are all kinds of problems that result from that. So to theorize, why is math important? Um, why, is, um, why, why is not algebra or addition, subtraction, division important, but why is calculus important? Because some things cannot be explained using basic math. It just cannot be explained. So when you understand that, then you understand, for example, even real estate, because real estate can be explained with calculus, but with nothing else. So that's, that's really bizarre, you know, in the sense that if you took your science to that level and your mind is now moving at that level, and then I share with you the story of the risk that could happen on this planet, like viruses and things like that to put us at risk, um, what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to play that monopoly game so that you're the one winner and now there's no game anymore. Nobody wants to play with you because the other three individuals don't want to lose. Like who wants to keep losing? So, so if you understand that, then you change your mindset as far as what is, um, what should be changed? Why I should be flexible? 
if you knew that your health could be better if your environment was better, well, how do you get your environment better? Being alone. You have to have a family. If you want your family to be maintained, it takes more than just providing them with resources. You have to watch your words. You have to be careful at how you say things. You have to learn to be someone else's pink pigeon as well as their white lion. So we all can become better, but the realization has to happen early. Yeah, and the resistance sometimes that there, there's so much put on blaming others for where we are, where it really just has to start with us. Every, everybody, all of us have the ability to control you know, our actions, our thoughts, our feelings, what we say. We, we all have that ability and we choose not to, or we choose to, and, and a change comes. And you know, it, it's captivating, right? So we get to 10 billion people by 2050, another planet okay that that's a that's a logical choice right we can now spread but what are if you were today sitting there with with the direction to go what would be your thought track what, what would be some things that you would start to identify and you talked about you know different things with farmers and others um what do we do well first if that happened right now we'd be in trouble good yeah. thing it's not 2050 it's 2020 right so so how do you how do you in 30 years do a, create a massive change see it's not a cyclical event where you know every peak will have a trough and then they'll just repeat it like a sine curve that's trigonometry what, what it is is that it's not going to repeat itself we are at risk so the only people can save us who have the time to save us and the drive to save us are is the next generation it's the next generation of children that you got to tell them. You got to tell them this. If you don't tell them this, you know, you know then, then, then why would they choose uh, to go into aeronautical engineering, right? Mm. Aerospace engineering. Why would they do that? You know, the amount of calculus and math that they have to take on is just tremendous. It's gigantic. If you told them that when you charge up your batteries, that 20% of your lithium is gone. We don't know why it's, that's the case, but it's been that, that way since the 70s when we invented lithium batteries. Oh, that explains why you know, your phone batteries don't last so long, your other things, would you still buy an electric vehicle? You may, right? It's, you, we buy things that deteriorate, but you have to be totally informed. Did you wanna solve it? Would you like to, did you know that there's five types of viruses that can cause hepatitis? A, B, C, D, and E. Most people look, oh, there's hep A, there's hep B, but they don't know about, uh, and they might know about hep C, but they don't know how, how, about hepatitis E or, or D. And, and you actually need B in order to get D. So, huh, that's really interesting. So, you know, that virus understanding, right? Like the COVID-19, you know, the, you asked me some questions about that, you know, because of my background. Well, Imagine if I chose not to work on the H1N1 virus back in 2009. What would happen? Right now, I would not have any idea about viruses from the frontline perspective. Right? I just wouldn't. Now, and then you know what would have happened? It would have changed the type of real estate I ended up buying. Where do we go with with COVID nineteen right now? Because because like you brought that up, and I, the hardest thing is that if you're if you're just a, a person who who's getting your feedback for what you hope is a trusted source of news, I from one day to the next, I mean, you, you don't know where to go. One day mask, next day no mask, next day mask, next day mask. Um, wear them, but they're pointless. Next day mask. Um, sometimes you know, next day you can go around your your family. Next day uh, don't go around your family, and next day there could be a sudden 
reaction. Um, it's, it's hard for a person that, that doesn't have frontline experience or know how to look at the data or, or understand the data to, to really identify what do I do? What, what, are, what are the precautions I really need to take and what could I do logically to, to, to continue to move forward in some capacity? Okay, so let, let's let's look at it this way too. Um, so we don't we don't forget the the need for these children, right? So we know that um, every country needs to have a military, right? And we have boot camps to train our military, um, and and as a as a consequence, we feel protected. Uh, police force, same thing. We have a training camp. We qualify people and we maintain them. We we send taxpayers' money to maintain them. So without that maintenance, how many police officers would continue to be police officers? How many military personnel would no longer be? People who work in the national forestry, they, they might no longer work in the national forest. And uh, when you go to national parks, there's no, nobody there. So, um, so you need to maintain these things. Well, on a science level, we don't maintain our scientists. So when you have a child that becomes curious and wants to work on something science, what you do is as a parent that perhaps doesn't have, um, and all parents, by the way, don't have the same um, basis usually uh, as their children. So what happens is you're looking at this and saying, this is foreign to me. So then that whole change, are you willing to accept change? Are you willing to support them to the, to the very end? Not just giving them some summer camp thing or to support them at the very end, meaning they might need resources, they might need, um, uh, positive thinking, words, you might have to hire some people to inspire them because it's hard to stay motivated on that when you're, you know, the majority of people don't, right? So, so that's, that's the environment you're faced with, right? So these prized, if you prize them, uh, these scientists who could solve the problem quicker, um, if, you, if you don't have them when the crisis occurs, now you have uh, an issue where let's make scientists. We can't. We can't just pull them off of shelf. You know, it takes decades to to have that, and they're on maintenance. You know, it's like the wizard in the game, right? The wizard doesn't have any armor, gets killed in the front line. Don't you can't put the wizard in the front line, right? So, so the, that understanding that kind of thinking, right, is is I is I think that the society has forgotten what what kinds of risks there are um, when you don't maintain them. Everyone's thinking someone's maintaining, there'll always be scientists around. So, so that's, that's the thing is that when you start having that risk factor and then you have the issues come about, you only have so many scientists. Now, now it's easy to think that as long as we now have scientists, we're okay. Scientists are highly distracted to shiny objects, right? So the, the shiny object for the scientists uh, is exactly this, is that if I work on mobile gaming, or if I work on graphene, something I worked on, or if I worked on the H1N1, I could be famous or not. But I'm gonna gravitate to the, to the thing that most people are talking about right now. So the next generation of scientists might work on COVID-19 to better understand it, to elucidate the mechanism. And then I guarantee you the next thing that will come about in 10 years will not be anything like COVID-19 will not be, just like H1N1, when I was in that documentary and I mentioned in 10 years, we're going to have another outbreak, but it won't be the same as this one. How did I know with such great certainty? Guaranteed, right? And that's my reputation on the line. I'm in this thing. It's because of math, right? So when we're looking for the blue book and we're constantly looking for the blue book, so any blue book, we got to burn them, 
But what if it's not a blue book and it turns out to be a red book? Or if it's not even a book, it's red, but it's something else. See, our minds become so focused on the temperature from the SARS virus, the temperature from the H1N1 virus, and that leads to infection. Well, COVID-19, the coronavirus, had no symptoms, right? That then, but they were still infectious. And so I classified this in that documentary as the invisible enemy. If the enemy is invisible, how do you quite know? How do you quite know what they look like? But in general speak, right, you have an invisible enemy. And those shiny objects I just described as scientists being distracted, don't think of the shiny object as some task or some job or some mission. It might actually be the shiny object of life where you get distracted. Um, you go to MIT, you get glorified with the, with the title. And then, then you find out that, hey, I better join a hedge fund or something because it, it's that cost. So the inability to maintain that purpose of what you initially started off doing becomes a huge distraction. That becomes your shiny object. Uh, I'll give some numbers um, that everyone can understand. If you took 60 times 60 times 24, that's 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, and 24 hours in a day, the number you arrive at is 86,400 seconds in one day. So if I converted that to money, and I said, I'm going to deposit $86,400 in your bank account every day, every day you get this. Now, um, half of the monies, over $40,000, will be required for um, sleep, and whenever you eat, you have to pay this time, right? You have to pay this monies because you have to eat the three meals. So you're going to lose at least half that time. And then the other, um, you know, for about $40,000 will come from um, you having to work, right? You have to go to a job. You're working eight to 10 hours a day. So you're left with really two hours. So if someone makes you upset, so how do we calculate the two hours? We got to take 60 times 60. And so that's 3,600 times two. So $7,200 is left in your pocket out of an 86,400 per day deposit. Hmm. Are you then going to take, if someone took um, you know, $60 from you, are you gonna use, which is a minute of your, of your happiness, right? A minute of your time. Are you now going to take the other $7,000 and go after them, right? Burn it up and go after them, right? You know, are you going to just chase after something bad that happened. Bad things happen potentially every day, but so do great things and so do good mm -hmm. things. Don't put good money after bad, right? Let it go, right? Let it, it seems go. like so much focus yeah. pointed on that one, that one pinnacle event that's just, just, it's the bad thing, but that's where all the focus lies. Right. So how do you get rid of the bad thing, right? You know, how do you, how do you not do that? You, you change your perspective on what it means to have those bad things happen to you. I'll give you another case, right? And then with numbers, there was an expert and I highly recommend this book. It's a book written by Malcolm Gladwell. And it's, you know, it's the 10,000 hour rule to become a world expert at something. But I wanna change your perspective after you read the book and you can listen to this podcast again. So if you took 24 hours a day and you, and then you multiplied um, those 24 hours accordingly to 365 days in a year. Your number that you would get up, you you get out of that, right? 24 hours times 364, five days a year, 
you'd get a number, but I don't want you to use that number first. I want you to think about you don't have 24 hours in a day. Mm. Eight hours is spent on sleeping. Three, four hours are spent on eating meals, hygiene. So we cut that time in half to make the calculation easier. We never want to take a big number to make a bigger number. So let's just simplify what we need. We only have 12 hours left now, half the time. Now of half the time, eight to 10 hours is spent working, right? So you got 10 hours. So basically you have two hours left again. So with the two hours, if you then multiply by 365 days a year, right? You'd end up getting 730 hours every year to work on. 730 hours to work on becoming a world expert, provided you actually have the determination and the discipline to spend all those two hours every day uh, and you know your soulmate's not distracting you or something like that, mm -hmm. your family's not distracting, you can completely be left alone and you're not, you know, you're not in the movie theater or something. You're just, you're just really focused. If you did that, you'd get 730. Remember the number is 10,000 according to the book. You'd need 13 yeah. to 14 years to achieve target. So how many 13 years do you have in your life to execute that? And we're just going to give you some extra time. So we're going to say in 10 years, it takes, it takes you 10 years to become an expert. How many 10 years do you have? Well, do you have it when you're 10 to 20? Do you have it when you're 21 to 30 years old? Do you have it when you're 31 to 40 years old? Or what time segment? And now with COVID-19, a lot of people have time on their hands, but they're not focused on yeah. doing something, right? So, so the time bleeds away. Now, if you were able to create a very different life, knowing of that, that's so important to become an expert at something and to, to, to really be able to connoisseur and know certain things, what type of job do you need to have? Because the job, see, it's the sleep, sleep and the job that, that really affects the bulk of the time. So if we didn't have to sleep, we'd be okay, but then we wouldn't live very long. So we'd have all kinds of issues. But if perhaps the job, if we could change it, and optimize it. And then with the time that's left, we don't kill time. We don't waste time. We make most use of our time, then it would be best, right? Mm -hmm. Changing one's perspective is really important. Now that doesn't mean changing everything about your life because for example, a happily married couple, if you change and do something where it offends the other person, that puts all your finances at tremendous risk. That puts your entire purpose at tremendous risk. Um, when you get older and you're in the hospital and there's nobody who's endured with you that's going to give you that sip of warm water, you have a dry mouth, your lips are parsed, you know, what, who are you going to, you know, that new person doesn't have that relationship. So, so take care of your relationships, change the negative things, change the risk things, right? The things that create the risk and generate that ecosystem of, uh, you know, I don't want to call it utopia, but constantly have it on monitor to ensure that you're reducing your risk. And sometimes you might not even advance. You advance just based on the fact that you didn't fall behind. Because, you know, then that, that could be an advance. And that's really the secret of how I got to, you know, these eight figures of real estate, you know, in, 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 a, in a few years. Well, and you look at it, it you know, I almost look at this, this gap of time that we've had, you know, in the February into March to, till, you know, into May, June is that this was your chance that you, you did have the time, but you also had almost a, a free pass where if you tried something and failed and no one was going to look hard on you because 
it, this was this time is uncanny time. So why not do it? Right. So, and because right. a lot of people that may have been more conservative in nature, but even businesses, right. Businesses, they, they had to take perceived risk during at this time because they, the entire landscape has changed. Not many times does anybody ever perform for zero revenue. Right. If, they, if that's the, right. you know, if that's your business and your business is completely service oriented. Well, okay. So it's zero revenue. So what can you do at that point? Can you, um, you know, if you're a, a, a restaurant with a large parking lot, can you open up a drive-in movie theater where cars parked, you know, 10 feet apart and, you know, you bring food to them. Um, can you have some kind of set up a kiosk? What can you do to change the narrative that completely wasn't your business plan before, but if it fails, no one was going to second guess you because everyone was saying, well, you were just trying something in a very uncertain time and still people went the opposite way they said well i'm just going to sit here in fear and then and, and face um you know face a day-to-day and you know watch netflix and other and that's why we continue to to go further in the direction of not getting to this point of having more scientists or even having more you know factory workers right i mean factory workers need to be more skilled today than ever um but there's still it's still that path that uh is not it gets talked down to, you know, go do this because you don't want to get stuck in a factory, you know, and, or, so that's why we start seeing um, a lot of our jobs overseas and it, it became pretty prevalent here where we uh, saw that we, we were so reliant on other countries for so much, you know, especially medicine. I mean, that was shocking. I didn't even know that much was reliant, but you, you think about that. Hopefully this will be a, um, an eye opener for at least America to say, you know what? it's time for us to start doing some of these things and start and maybe COVID it, it's something that, you know, my kids are five, three, one, they're asking the questions is the virus gone today? It's simple things like that that they don't understand, but there will be people that will, will be maybe a couple years older, maybe a, you know, 15, 16, that just says, this is so interesting that I can't quote unquote know um, what the outcome is here. I want to start, learning about this so I can, I can help the narrative because I've never been in something before where, where my parents didn't potentially have an answer for it. Right. So my, you know, if, um, I didn't do good in my grades. My parents will say study more, you know, if, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't feel, you know, I wake up and I'm groggy. My parents will say, go to sleep earlier. Um, this virus comes and I'm told stay in the house and we don't know when you can go outside again and see my friends. Well, hopefully that potential will spawn a lot of younger people to say, well, I, I completely don't understand that. And I'm so curious. I want to find out more and what's the steps to do that. Mm, absolutely. It's the, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it was being reactive, right. As opposed to mm-hmm. proactiveness. Um, what this country and the world needs um, is the E. I always call, call it the E. It's that, is that the E stands for entrepreneurship, but E also stands for 2.718. It's a, um, it's a number that is, uh, that is, um, um, that is used in calculus. It can't be explained. So calculus is, um, is what helps explain why the derivative of the function y, e, y equals e to the x is also y prime is e, y equals e, y prime is also e to the x. Why is that? You can't explain it using algebra. You can't explain it using trigonometry um, because the derivative of sine is cosine. The derivative of y equals x squared, which is a powerful function, um, but it's 2x. Everything becomes changed when you look at the rate of change of something, except that function, which is y equals e to the x. So what is y equals e to the x? Why is e a constant 2.718? And there's many numbers after that. Why is that? It's because that will lead you, and most kids that learn about calculus don't see this, and I missed it when I was taught calculus in high school because I only went to high school once. 
but because I wanted to build a homeschool for my kids and I wanted to prevent this risk factor way before this COVID-19. It was in 2017 I decided to go on that path, the TED Talk, Inventing Happiness. I share it, say, all right, world, I'm going to go and do this now. And people said, that's career suicide. But at the same time, it was knowing that something is going to happen. How do I, how do I change this? How do I build a real estate model into this? Why is E so important? Is because that is compound interest. The, the very E I'm talking about is compound interest. But they never say compound interest is E when you learn it in calculus. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's incredible. It's the only function that continues to exponentially grow post looking at the rate of change. The rate of change is also growing equally as fast. And there's just nothing like that. So if you, if you didn't touch the money in your real estate and you let it compound, it would compound faster and faster. So don't buy real estate for your personal income, right? Because then you're going to put your income at risk. Buy real estate as an asset, but at the same time, let it compound so you can grow it. Now, of course, there's other secrets in real estate. Um, I'm by, by no means an expert because I've only been doing this for a, a year and, uh, and maybe uh, nine, eight, nine to 10 months. So almost two years when I reached the eight figures. So it was actually the rate of increase that was pretty dramatic. Now, partially I took my invention finance into this, right? Uh, so inventions helped me get to a certain level. But then particularly it was finding assets that was not modeling the E. And it was, it was, it was flawed in the sense that it was mismanaged. Um, so there was a deal out there, it was mismanaged. And the only real estate I was willing to look at was um, things that were, now there's a name for it, and we'll go into the name at the end, but initially I only wanted uh, grocery stores and drug stores. I only wanted that. And, and realtors that brought me there would say, why don't you look at residential? Why don't you look at, um, you know, and I put it through my own filter, is I only want essential businesses. Right. If I'm going to go and, and, and pour the time into the real estate, um, then I'm going to do that. Now, why didn't I take the real estate income as personal income? Well, I'm not supposed to be doing that because I'm supposed to be modeling that E. So in order to model the E, I'm going to leave it in as a company, build it up, and it shot to eight figures pretty quickly. Also, the banks that looked at it said, you're very bankable. You don't even use that income. Right. So think about from their perspective as a lender, they're going to think, wow, this guy, this guy doesn't touch his, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking so much from their perspective, but when it came to the borrowing and they were to sell the note, they didn't sell the note. And subsequently the bank got acquired. Um, and when they got acquired by a big bank, now suddenly the line of credit became massive. So it went from, Ten, you know, the, the eight figures of real estate to uh, a point where they said, we can actually let you borrow up to nine figures, approaching 10 figures. So if you find any asset that's actually producing yield, now the compound interest that I've, when I left it in and I looked at it and after we tweaked it, it was producing 17% cash on cash. It's hard to beat. Um, and even in COVID-19, same thing, 17% cash on cash. So if you just do a few of these, right, you just have to, number one, don't pick things that blow up, right? 
And the other one is you're leveraging so you're able to borrow, but you're being a steward because without, without me doing this, how does the bank make money? Right? The bank doesn't make money with depositors. The bank needs entrepreneurs, that E out there, but the entrepreneurs have to be willing to help each other. Like I'm very willing to help others because as the E becomes stronger, we have a better environment to actually be in. You know, yeah. you're in Westfield, I'm over here in the Short Hills area. And, and you know, we, we need that E because what happens is it, it, it's, be, it's better company. Right. So, you know, when you look at the other E that I focus on is education is mm -hmm. it's no good staying with me. I've got to find a way to inspire the next generation. So the only way to do it isn't telling them to work harder or study or to do things that you won't do. That's why I became the tutor I am, because by my purpose wasn't to tutor other kids and make an income. My purpose was to inspire my own daughters that sees their dad not collecting monies from real estate. That's not a good image, right? So the image I want to pro project to them, um, you know, without telling them anything, is that I'm constantly doing biology, chemistry, physics, calculus, working with other kids, and education is really important because that's what puts the food on the table. So by giving them that mindset when they're two years old, three years old, they're constantly learning. They, they learn on their own because they need to make the most use of every day so that they can become an expert. My five-year-old picked up a piano and, um, and played with both hands, right? Starts playing with both hands, um, not because I found a tutor for her. I found a tutor for my wife so that she plays, you know, to get her back in shape with the, with the piano. But it, it attracted one daughter. It didn't attract the other one. Once hmm. the first daughter was attracted to it, the other one became more curious about it, but it's not her liking. That's okay, right? You have to create this environment. Not everyone's going to like the same thing. So it is that inspiration that is um, not everyone's going to be proactive. That's why we have the way the world is. But you have to also think, how do you let their reactions not be as painfully negative, right? How do you do that? How do you create an environment where they become stimulated? So homeschooling became uh, a, a, a driving force, not because um, you know, we couldn't afford school, not because um, I wanted to sink the time in. It wasn't because of any of those reasons. It was, I need to learn to show them how to be independent, how to function on every day and become purposeful and the beginning building blocks is that, and then together we'll discover it because I don't know the answer. I, I, I fixed it for myself. It's some kind of foggy kind of approach, but if it's going to become a lesson plan or if it's going to become a formula, well, it has to be tested amongst not just one or 10 or 50 individuals. It has to be worked on, um, on hundreds of thousands. So the most inspirational thing for other families' kids when they work with me. Now that's hard, right? Because they're not my kid. How did I end up inspiring them? The statistics became this. I've tutored 490 kids now to in, in two years. And of the 490, 60% of those kids ranked in the top 1% in the country, not top 99%. So they're the top 1%, uh, 99 percentile. How is that possible? They didn't start that way. 
They, some of them started with 50 percentile and how do they rank up? They had to move a million spots. So some kid moves up a million spots. What did you do to them? So was it just doing the content? Content was important, but mm -hmm. it was them knowing that, hey, when I'm not tutoring you, I'm also looking at the real estate, but I'm not sinking all of my time in there. And oh, doc, why did you do the real estate? Because if I don't, there are certain shiny object risk factors out there, including nobody else but myself, is that I might not be able to um, be flying that much on the plane once I hit 60. You know, there's something called deep vein thrombosis, DVTs. So if you get up there in age, you could be setting yourself up for um, blood clots, uh, mm. leg clots, if you fly that often. So there are some things that just happen. We don't have all the time in the world to keep making those mistakes. We have to optimize our life. And some people climb a mountain, they set their goals and they've achieved it. Then they suddenly stop. They say like, oh, I've done everything. Yeah. If you climb a mountain and you succeed, find another mountain. Find a different yeah. one. Don't find like a Olympians. taller one. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know? Olympians yeah. set exactly. everything with their uh, with right. their gold mind of you know the gold medal, and it's that point. Their whole life has been built up to that gold medal, and then after that yeah. fact, they they have to make that choice, right? Because now that pinnacle moment has either happened or not. Where do they go from here? And that's why you could see a lot. You know, once they hit that, um, it's pro athletes. The same thing is that you know their identity was so built into that. And, and with us yes. on a smaller level on many different facets, our, our identity gets built into something that we have to make change. And I, I just love what you're doing with kids. You know, it's been, we've talked about homeschooling and having the ability to do that over the last couple of months and just you know, be able to change the narrative. And it's, it's one, just it's passing on good, good habits, and good practices to the kids, but it really just letting them make the choice. You know, my parents let me make choices. They didn't say you need to do this. And I think many times parents say the kids need to do this. They need to make these choices and it limits the kids, right? Cause they feel compelled to, follow what, you know, follow direction or follow what their parents say, or go completely the opposite. And then they're, they're not making rational decisions on, on what's engaging, right? So like the piano example, um, one daughter loved it. The other one, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll come down the pipeline, but right now it's just not her thing. Okay, no problem, you know, and right. we'll, maybe, maybe she likes a saxophone. I don't know, you know, but yeah. there, maybe we're not even, you know, maybe she likes something right. else completely. But the more we can engage kids to let them be proactive in their decision making i mean that that's the future right there and that definitely is and and you know my, my kids are getting that stage where they're asking a lot of questions and what's fun for me is that you get to a point where you're trying to now make sure you're answering in a way that it makes sense right because you can you can give the answer that's not going to make sense to them at all but can i speak to the point where it's a clear concise answer that that you know a, a three-year-old and a five-year-old um, can get the value of it and then now use it to to now ask a better question right exactly yeah, yeah so, so the challenges of life you know it's uh mm -hmm. it's it's taking that into perspective and, and knowing what to do it's uh you know when we we have certain risk factors that, that are that are out there the hundred year flood right you know you got you got those kinds of and i use it very broadly those kinds of conditions if, you know we we don't need to chop every tree down to start having issues mm -hmm. what happens when the balance of having the tree that takes in the carbon dioxide that one tree that is at that tipping point and now you chop it down and suddenly you draw a cascade of events. What do you do? Well, life is actually short and riskier than you, one would imagine. Doing nothing actually is, it, it creates risk. 
you know, and, and it, I just listened to a hundred year flood that you said, and that's another thing, you know, by 20, uh, you know, whatever it is, 2100, it, we could have a part of the shoreline that, that recedes. And we think about, you know, two, 3% of the shoreline receding over, <laughs> over um, sea levels rising. What does that do? Like all, all of our major cities that are aligned right there, what does that do to New York city? So not only are we going to have less room for people, more people, and we're going to have less um, really massive land, what does that do? Like, and so doing nothing right now, like you said, that's the choice a lot of people are making right now in, an, in a time like this, but that's the last thing we can ever do, right? So um, there's action and there's inaction. And we know for one thing, the action might not provide the, the right result, but we know definitely inaction is going to provide no results. That's and that right. goes that course that you move forward. So well, yeah. Dr. Schubert, we're, we're coming up on time, man. I, I, I could probably do this for a couple hours here. So, so I, I'm going to love to have you back. Of course. Thank you. Jason. Thank you for your perspective. I always appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of places I can recommend for, for people to, to learn more. Is there, is there a, um, a place that you would prefer to people check out to learn more about you, what you doing, what you've done? They just have to Google uh, my name, Dr. Gordon, and it'll, it'll show up. There's a several Google pages. I mean, for families that are interested in the homeschool, I have dwaprep.com. Um, I, you know, the real estate, I don't really uh, have investors. I just deal with it myself, and I'm, I'm very private with it. Um, but people can certainly ask me um, that. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. There's, there's things I, I'm, I'm out there because I work with kids, so I have to be... Um, publicly present. Yeah. And your TEDx uh, talk on graphene, uh, I, I enjoyed that. So oh, thank uh, you. People, yeah. So people uh, get check that out, just uh, search your name, TEDx talks, and that will come up right there or graphene TEDx talks that will definitely right. come up. So well, Thanks, I super Jason. appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Join us for your second cup of coffee every Monday through Friday at noon. Live every day, bringing us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging, bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions, and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.